gonna rock this shit. Gonna scream my name. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make you shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Failed us again Captured by anger Locked up by hate Families in need Turned down at the gate Pulling apart Fine threads of peace Tearing the fabric Of all we believe And days have passed When fascists reigned So why the craving To feel that again and waffles, drifting shalafels, plink, blip, cracked, creaking house, plaster shivers, on pending wrath of winter, space heaters and cocoa, should be comforting, but I'm gratefully depressed, the necessity, tainted heroin, frozen gypsies, Fentanyl deluge, ski in the luge, slide, thwark, jaggly pounce. The cat's in the hamper again, and the ashtray's overflowing. Yep. Scotty Miller from his brand new release, and we got Scotty on the line right now. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? Hey, Richard, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Now, it's great to great to talk to you and hear from you. Yeah, same here. Now, you've been on the show before, and we always like to start things off by giving our fans Mm -hmm. an opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist, but as a person. Mm -hmm. And the best way yeah. to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give right. us the story of Scotty Miller. All right. Well, I can uh, tell you I started playing piano uh, when I was six and with traditional studies and then, you know, uh, into classical, then into uh, jazz studies, went to Berkeley College of Music after uh, high school. I uh, studied with a great teacher there. Uh, uh, privately as well, Craig Najar, uh, out in Boston, and uh, then came back from Berkeley and just started writing, composing, recording, touring with different original projects and different bands that uh, I created, and uh, 
you know, continued on from there with a full-time life in, in music and art. Uh, grateful to say so. Uh, moving fast forward from some original projects, I joined uh, a local blues icon uh, from Minneapolis, where I reside still, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Big John Dickerson and Blue Chamber where we did a lot of touring uh, across the country and in Europe, um, did a couple albums together. Uh, Big John Dickerson has uh, since passed. And, uh, and then fast forward a little bit further, uh, after I left Big John, I, I started with my, my, my uh, original recordings again, um, going back to around 2000, 2001, with uh, a bunch of barrel house blues piano with a big New Orleans influence. And uh, that album's called The Other Side. So that started my 11, al- currently 11 album collection. And uh, as I continued through that, I got an opportunity to tour with uh, the great late Bo Diddley. Did a two-month tour with him, which is where I met uh, uh, Ruthie Foster, uh, the singer that I have now toured with and uh, worked with for 15 years. And so I have been splitting my time with, uh, you know, my own solo career and my band, the Scotty Miller Band, and and touring and working and writing with Ruthie Foster. That kind of takes us up to where I am today, still doing that and um, um, enjoying. uh, Ruthie's got a new release out called Healing Time, and then I've got my new uh, book and CD out and uh, also did some co-writing on that, that Healing Time album of Ruthie's. Uh, and we've had a, a busy summer touring, and it's still going going strong, grateful to say. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've been doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, trying. Career. Now, uh, well, thank let's, you. let's talk about this new release. Now, this is unique in that mm-hmm. not only do you have uh, the audio portion out there, but you also have coupled it with a another product, which is a book of poems. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about how this all came about what was the story behind this mm, yeah um the it started it did start with the the uh poetry book and i wanted to put together a book of poems and so i started collecting um, putting together uh poems that i'd written mostly in the last in, in a five-year period um pulling some things together that were a little older than that and refreshing them and writing some new things as well. And I started to put those together. I sent them to my editor, Candlin Wall, and and she ran through the collection. We whittled them down, hundreds of poems, um, down to the collection of uh, five chapters of poetry um, and, uh, what, 51 poems that are contained in the book that I, I selected um, myself from from the collection, ran through and edited. Um, so I really just wanted to supplement my, you know, my <clears throat> creative endeavors with, uh, you know, a chapbook or a zine. I ended up doing a full, you know, collection. Um, and then I got with a, an amazing designer, Lynn Phelps, and his son, William Phelps, uh, an actor and graphic designer out in Brooklyn. And um, they helped me design this beautiful, you know, six by nine coffee table kind of book with full color illustrations to go with each chapter. And it's been just a really liberating experience. And, um, and it just kind of went in stages. I thought maybe I'd release a zine or a chat book and ended up with a, with a beautiful, you know, fully self-published book. And that's now, you know, uh, uh, available globally through Ingram Spark, and you know it's available as an ebook or a paperback, um, you know, an Amazon Kindle or all those different platforms, um, as well as just from my website at scottymiller.com. and 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 so it's just been a really, uh, like I said, liberating is the word because it's I've I've always felt this sort of uh, just a little bit of a disconnect between you know my poetry writing, which I've done all my life and my songwriting, it feels like in some ways it just felt like a little bit of two different worlds, you know, um, ironically. So I wanted to, to sort of, uh, get over that, that 
that sort of, you know, disconnect and bring the the poetry into the music. So first came the book, and then I started to just improvise piano underneath while I read the poems down. I was just having fun with it at home, you know. Um, this was during the pandemic. I had time to work on the book, finally. I had time to work on experimenting with it. And then the album was born because it was it was really like, this is so fun. You know, I was like, we're listening to a lot of the Jack Kerouac, Steve Allen recordings and being inspired by that, Ken Nordine stuff. Um, I'm like, I would really like to put this out musically. And, you know, uh, I thought, I, again, I kind of thought I'd just maybe trickle a few things out, you know, on, on social media during the pandemic and, but no, I went ahead and made a fully produced album out of it. Okay. So that's a little bit of the backdrop of the process. Yeah. Now, as a writer, um, every writer, <laughs> I guess, has their process when they sit down to begin that, you know, to write either a song or a poem or whatever it may be. When you sit down to begin your process, what do you do to help you tap into your muse? Mm. I, uh, you know, as I was explaining kind of the the way this uh, this project went, you know, I was sitting there with a stack of of my poems and in in putting the the, the poetry and the, the the words and the lyrics first um, and letting them sort of dictate the music that I came up with. Um, you know, if it gelled, it gelled. If it didn't, I scooched the, the poem onto the floor, you know. I just kept kind of sifting through this giant pile. Normally, you know, I typically as a songwriter, um, it's sort of all at once. You know, I might have a musical idea or I might have a, a hook or a, a lyrical concept or something that starts the idea. But it's, it's you know, it's piano and words all coming out at the same time for me. Um, this process sort of turned it a little bit. And I let the, like I said, I let the, you know, the words and the concepts dictate the music completely. And a lot of it was very unscripted, very improvised, moving around in different time signatures, moving around in uh, very ethereal music. So then when I arranged and produced it, um, I, I brought it together. I worked with an amazing string arranger. Uh, who I perform live with too, Sierra uh, uh, Elise Hill, and and so uh, she helped cultivate some of this stuff into string quartet, string quintet uh, arrangements. Um, the rest of it was improvised on piano in the studio and vocal, and and the the other part of the album is uh, uh, with uh, drums, bass, and piano, and and vocal. So, you know, I tap into, uh, I just write about my life experiences pretty much, what I see, what I feel. You know, you never know uh, what it could be. Um, it's, if it's relationship stuff, if it's, uh, I, I'm inspired a lot by, um, uh, you know, different things that I've experienced. And I, I think we can only really write about what we've seen and experienced, you know. And so writing for me is a real cathartic experience um you know i got a new tune on the album called a better way to cope and you know it's like if you can tell me how you do it man maybe i can find a better way to cope and it's about getting through life where you know we share our sort of ex strength or experience or hope uh through adversity you know, we share that with other people and I think we help each other get through life, you know? Um, so while it's personal and cathartic to me, it's also global in the sense that, um, I hope, you know, we can help each other. You know, we're all one in this world. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, <clears throat> one of the things technology has brought us a lot of tools, uh, especially mm -hmm. Songwriter and for the writer in general, uh, and whether it's your cell phone to capture ideas or you have a home recording studio to lay out structure, what are some of the tools mm -hmm. you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? Yeah, uh, 
uh, for sure the the phone recorder <laughs> has you know it used to be a little handheld cassette recorder right um, but it, my little uh, phone recorder uh, is always up on the piano you know when I'm when I'm writing to grab snippets of ideas um, uh, and I also have just a small um, you know humble uh, pro tools set up at home um, and that is also another way that I get inspired um, and and record as I go or build songs that way you know I could be sitting uh, with a notebook and a pen out on the deck out back in the yard with a mandolin or an acoustic guitar or I sit in my studio on my piano same thing notebook pencil pen usually a pencil. I like pencils and, uh, you know, um, also technology has been great, like for, uh, sending songs or sending ideas back and forth with Ruthie in the band. Um, we actually did a lot of recording at home and I've done a lot of session work for other musicians from home with my pro tools and, and in the microphones I have, where I'm sending piano or organ, uh, or I'm sending production sampled the strings or Mellotron work or uh, Wurlitzer tracks uh, for people's albums. We built, like I was tra- starting to say, we built uh, Ruthie's album that way, Healing Time, and actually some of the tracks that were recorded here in my home ended up getting used on the album. So it's been seriously useful. Um, you know, sending tracks, you know, recording uh, uh, tracks or whatnot on, on Pro Tools, and then, it's, you know, it's either Dropbox or WeTransfer. I'm sending files to people in, in California, down to Texas, wherever, and they're being imported into their session and ending up on an album, you know? So that's huge. You never used to do that, um, you know, in the old days. Um, you You couldn't get away with that, and... And nowadays I'm getting away with it too with without having the, you know, $20,000 Neumann mics even, you know, um, because, you know, I have a humble studio, as I said, but I've got good enough gear and I've invested in good enough gear to make really solid tracks, you know. Okay. Now, um, one of the big buzzwords in the industry today is AI. Uh, artificial intelligence has really oh, yeah. brought its way into our lives almost overnight, it seems like. Uh, whether yeah. it's um, helping to write lyrics or melodies or chords or even orchestrations. So it yeah. is here. I mean, the tools are available no matter how we slice it. Uh, even Ed Sheeran admitted on Swedish radio that he utilized some of these AI lyric tools as idea uh-huh. generators. Um, yeah. What do you think the impact of AI is going to have on the music industry um, as well as, you know, songwriters in general as tools? Uh-huh. Well, you are talking to a robot right now, Richard. So this is all generated from a, from an app. My responses are preconditioned by an app. Um, I don't know, Richard. I mean, I have been intrigued. I haven't gone there yet. Um, I've been intrigued by it, uh, AI as a tool to generate ideas because uh, we're constantly getting stumped uh, or looking for another more creative way to express something lyrically. So I could be all about that. Um, you know, but I, I, like I said, I haven't gone there yet. I don't know what that is. You know, I, I'm a little apprehensive, but I think used the right way. Um, you know, why not? If it if it can act like an encyclopedia, thesaurus, a dictionary, a book, if it can act like that and throw ideas your way, um, you know, when you're just trying to find, like I said, a more expressive way or a different way to put something. Because, I mean, I go down that road and 
look for synonyms and look for things and you know what's another word for you know for an angel or for flying or you know water or um you know or i look in my my what what the heck's the name of that book i got the the book of big words or whatever you know i have a few things around the house but i've yet to try the old ai situation so we'll see you know i don't know i've heard different things about you know man like spotify playlists that are completely ai generated and so i'm a you know i don't know i don't think i know enough about it yet um you know to to have a solid response on what it's going to mean for the future um as a creator i'm i'm definitely uh i try to stay just grassroots you know and as much as i can but We'll see, I guess. We'll see, you know. If you look at the history, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when drum machines first came on the, the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they came out, there was a big uproar in the industry about how, you know, you're taking the human feel out of the music, you know, that it's mm-hmm. going to destroy music uh, as we know it today. Well, mm-hmm. drum machines have become part of our everyday life now it comes with every daw uh i remember when midi first came out you know you know the whole idea of putting a whole orchestra um at the hands of a producer who you know really has knowledge of how to program but not how to play music was able to create music and again Uh the industry was saying oh wow this is going to be the death of music as we know it. Well, you know, here we are today. It's just part of the toolkit that we all have. Um, yeah. When we go into the studio. Um, so yeah. I see AI as just another tool in the future. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I have to it. agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we look for ideas all over the place, whether it's in conversation yeah. or on social media and some meme that might have sparked an idea. Oh, that'd be a great title. You know, right. You know, we write to that, to that meme. Well, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. where the inspiration comes from. As long as we reflect the human condition, then, you know, we as writers are, are fulfilling our job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 And if you yep. wanted to play with one, one that I think is really interesting, if you go to Board Human, they have a uh-huh. lyric generator where you can put in a title in the style uh-huh. and then put in what style of music you want to create in the style of That's cool. You know, Ed Sheeran or the Beatles or blues or whatever, uh-huh. and it will come uh-huh. out with a full song. Wow. Yeah, wild. You know, and, yeah, that's and it's cool just that's to see some of the the, you know, some of it is quite trite, but some of it mm-hmm. is like, well, wait a minute, that that has potential, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an interesting yeah. exercise just to play with it, you know. Yeah, right, 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 and and all that influences us, you know. Um, all those all those different resources can influence something. Um, you know, and spark something, you know, if you're stuck. So, yeah, I'm with you. And I I saw MIDI and drum machines come about, too. I saw, you know, DAT tape and digital come and, and tape go away for, with somewhat, you know. And um, and you're right, you know. Uh, it just becomes part of the toolkit. And, you know, like I do, uh, I do digital sampled and, Mellotron and different string things all the time, but I also work with uh, real violin, cello, double bass, viola people, players, you know, um, and blend the two sometimes. So um, it hasn't diverted me from working with the real, you know, beautiful, real musicians. Right, but we it, use them as tools it, yeah. when we need that tool. You know, right, when, when right. That's not available to us. 
you know, and yep. I think that's where AI is going to end up. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know, in the 70s when MIDI was first, you know, we had a lot of producers creating a lot of, you know, generic music. Uh, mm-hmm. the disco mm-hmm. era. Um, mm-hmm. And as time went on, that all became the one-hit wonders, the, you know, the... They they all fell by the wayside, and the real artists still came to the top of the of the yeah the pile. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, um, one of the things I think um, uh, that you know that uh, we we have to look at too uh, as songwriters is when to stop, when to stop the writing mm-hmm. process. Um, I always mm-hmm. said songs are never really written. They are rewritten. Uh, but mm-hmm. you've got to get to a point where you stop the writing process and allow the song to move to its next phase of life into production where the producer mm-hmm. gets to put his fingerprints on it, the other musicians in the band. Um, right. You've got to get to that point. What is your quantifier that you like to use to determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase of its life? Um, you know, I think I find that when I've played it enough, um, recorded it, rewritten it, reworked it, looked at it, recorded demos of it, you know, and in, in some cases, even, even maybe not just performing it, over and over at home or running through it, but, but sometimes live even, you know, got a smaller solo show or something. I'm going to try a new tune. And that is, you know, that's one quantifier. Another one is like sending a song to a friend or to Ruthie or someone in the band, uh, or you, for instance, even you, if I sent a new tune to you, it's like, once I hit send on that email, <laughs> you know, the song takes a whole different, you know, perspective in my mind. Um, because you, 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 I don't know. I think you, you listen less biased, you know, and you can get down to reality and go, Oh yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Or, you know, that isn't as good as I thought it was. Um, so I stop, I think when I feel like, uh, I've got an emotive, um, performance when it when it's speaking truth and sounds as real and truthful as possible, and and just move forward into the studio. You know, you sometimes aren't. You know, you sometimes end up with an album and you go, ah, what I, I would have changed that. You know, or I wish I would have changed that when it's all done and and finished. But hey, it is what it is. You you just keep moving forward. You know, have eleven albums out and you live and learn. And so. Yeah, but I'm with you on handing on getting it to that point where okay, we're going to the studio, and by that time, I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking at what the other musicians will contribute and and trying to open my mind as much as possible to that next phase of like in studio performance. So by other people and letting the the the, the life get breathed into it that way too. Okay, now of course. Uh, having a good song is half the battle. The other half, of course, is going into the studio and creating its identity, its sound, its vibe. And it not only mm-hmm. identifies the song, but also helps identify you as an artist. And every artist has their way of capturing that sound. Um, mm-hmm. When you get into the studio and you begin the process of recording, what do you like to do in that environment that helps you capture the sound you're looking for? Mm. Well, man, every time I get into the studio, I just wish I could just live, live there, you know, um, which I kind of do with my home, but home studio, but not as much as when I go into, you know, like uh, this recent project I did at a studio called Wild Sound Studios in uh, North, Northeast Minneapolis and previous albums at, at a place called Terrarium. And, you know, Steve Call at Wild Sound and Jason Orris at Terrarium, they're just amazing. And um, one thing I did on this new record with Steve Call at Wild Sound was we, you know, 
we had a night where we got to, you know, we, we, plenty of conversations, plenty of demos, exchanged uh, concept ideas so we could each wrap our heads around what we were about to go do. And then a night before the session started, that was just him and I with a microphone shootout. And he had, I don't know, six or seven of his best vocal mics lined up. And we went down, you know, uh, recorded a little bit on each one. And I'm like, okay, this is the one, you know, <laughs> this is the one we need. And he would agree like, yeah, that's perfect for what we're, what we're after. Uh, the, the sound we're after vocally, especially with this poetry where a lot of it's spoken, some of it's sung, it, it goes back and forth. And so <clears throat> that was part of this process. Uh, another beautiful part of the process was uh, JT Bates coming in on drums and percussion and Jeff Bailey on, on bass. And we experimented a lot with just different uh, percussive sounds. Um, we came into the control room after cutting a track. Um, I wake to many melodies and we were listening and, um, I don't know, somebody, I think JT or maybe it was Jeff Bailey started rubbing their hands together, kind of with like a percussive, um, you know, hand rubbing sound. And we were like, you know, and then we all started doing it and we were laughing and having fun. I'm like, let's go lay that down. So, you know, that was those guys inspiring something and saying, okay, let's go back and recut that. So we just went in and recut our hands, you know, the three of us. Um, so that was a fun part of the process. Um, the, another layer was just having, you know, uh, Sierra and the rest of the gang come in on strings and the same thing would happen. We'd come back and listen to a take and go, oh, I want to do this or when you hear what's there, you're inspired you know, to maybe add a texture, um, you know, uh, a harmonic, for instance, from Greg Byers on bass, you know, sit, you know, different bow position and create like this really cool harmonic sound that's in, in a couple, you know, spots. So um, that, and then of course, the other portion of the CD is a lot of piano improv so it could really be different each time. So I did multiple takes until I felt like it was just really natural feeling. And, um, because, because I was just improvising the piano completely as I went, you know, and sometimes, you know, live at the same time where I'm reading a poem down and improvising on piano, it's kind of like patting your head, rubbing your belly, you know, coordination is weird. But once you released that, once I released that, it was like, that's that liberating feeling that I talk about, you know, you know physically liberating. Um, where you're like, well, okay, I'm totally free now responding to the, you know, one thing's responding to the other simultaneously, you know. So that was a trip. And it's still a trip redoing that in live performance. Um, that's why I really, I really like, I really enjoy it. So, okay. I hope that I hope that answers a little bit yeah, of yeah, the question. Definitely. Now, um, yeah. Of course, once you get it recorded, you have to get it out to you know radio and press and create the buzz. And you're working with yeah. Frank Rozak from Frank Rozak Promotions. Tell yeah. About that relationship. Oh man, Frank's great. He he's been just so great. Uh, and, and you guys have known each other, I believe quite some time. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. And, you know, Frank introduced me to you on the last release that he helped me with, um, stay above water with the Scotty Miller band. Um, and so, um, that's been a few years and I, I released the CD last fall and then the book this past February. And I did, uh, work with a different local publicist and worked on some different promotional stuff. And of course I've been pushing just all the social media and doing videos and lyric videos on my YouTube and, you know, da 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 on and on and on. And I, but you know, I was feeling like I was missing, uh, the reach that Frank helped me get 
on Stay Above Water when it comes to reviews, the uh, radio shows, um, etc. And so I reached out to him. I said, this is a totally different project, man. This is like a poetry book and, a, and an album. And, and so we really talked back and forth a lot about where and how to market it. And he came up with a, a really robust hit list that kind of ventures into the literary community and into, um, you know, the music communities. We're hitting up folk, Americana, and blues. Uh, we're hitting up some literary. Uh, and he's, he's really been helpful in, in just getting, um, you know, uh, you know, airplay, uh, reviews, um, and just increasing the networking of, of the project. He's just been indispensable. I can't say enough about how helpful that is, you know. And just giving the project new legs, even at, even though it's been out now, you know, technically for what, uh, you know, six, seven, eight months. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, let's talk about the industry a little bit. Um, we all know that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume mm -hmm. music today. And you mm -hmm. can't blame them. I mean, for 10 or $15, you have access mm -hmm. to pretty much everything that's been recorded in the last hundred years, uh, mm -hmm. they don't have to store it anywhere. They don't have to store it on their phone. They'd have to store it on their shelves. It's, yeah. it's economically and logistically a no brainer for the consumer. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that recorded music has lost that status as product. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to purchase it anymore. It's more of a service now. Uh, how has this shift affected you as an artist? Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's changed a little bit of, um, the, especially the last four or five years, I've noticed more of a shift, uh, you know, perhaps less physical units being sold at shows a little bit of a decline. And then I was kind of shocked that it sort of, uh, didn't seem to make that much of an effect. People are still buying CDs at my shows. Um, but the past couple of years have really felt it to me, um, where it's, it's like much more noticeable that people, you know, and you know, every, all of us bands are out there going, so where do you like, you know, we're at shows on the stage, where do you like to get your music these days? You know, we like to, you know, you're asking people, and um, so I feel like across the nation, <laughs> we've got a pretty good feel that people generally kind of riddle off. You know, if you ask that question, where do you like to get your music? It's like Spotify, Apple, and then, and then vinyl. People shout out vinyl. Um, so I think that that's been the... Um, sort of uh, the chain, you know, where you're getting the most, you know, most people are telling me they're listening on Spotify and Apple, maybe Amazon music. So I've put my stuff, played along and, you know, grateful to have all those different distribution channels and different ways to put it out there. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big shift. It's a big change. You know, we're getting what point zero zero something cents from us from a different from a stream um so you might see some you know you, you definitely you might see some some shift in your in your physical sales like when i first release i've got a good surge and then it's like bam drops off you know of, of physical cds being purchased like through my website um and you can kind of tell hey you know people are grabbing it on uh on you know digitally so hey what are you going to do um i just hope that i can share my art so you know whatever i'm not going to sit and slam slam the fact that we're getting not a penny on a download yeah it's it's a drag um it doesn't matter if you're massively popular and huge or if you're a guy like me you're getting 
pennies, if if that. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to get bitter and and just whatever go into seclusion. You know, I'm util- I'm trying to utilize every tool that I can to share my art. You know. Well, and you know, so and I, I think I can know. sympathize with you because. I mean, let's face it, the the way that the revenue is structured on the streaming services for the independent artists, this is not a sustainable mm-hmm. business model. Um, no. We can't no. continue to operate in such a manner whereby, you know, the owner of Spotify is making more money than oh, yeah. 20 of the top artists on his platform. And the independent right. artists can never recoup his investment on going to the studio and recording the project this is not Mm -hmm. it's not sustainable i know the music monetization act was a good first Mm -hmm. step but it didn't take it far enough um what do you think needs to happen to kind of right that ship to to change that dynamic well i mean the first thing that pops into my head is is a is a higher royalty rate you know um per stream. So 0.0001 cent is just ridiculous. You know, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So a reasonable, uh, price on a download would be my first response to that. You know, I don't know what that number is, but it sure isn't like less than a penny. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, so, um, cause I'm with you. I mean, you're right on, you know, you know, this industry probably better than I do, Richard. I mean, yeah. Recouping your, your studio investment. Oh yeah. Good luck. And it's like, welcome to the new world. Here we go. Right. Um, so yeah, it can be, you know, it's frustrating, but I would say, I would say like a direct tangible thing. How about, how about five bucks a stream as a royalty, you know? Um, you know, you're buying, you can get what for, for my album, what? 10 bucks on, on, on Apple music. You've got a higher royalty rate being paid, of course, by people that are subscribed to Apple Music or or whatnot, um, then are just streaming without a subscription. You're getting a higher royalty rate, which is good. But, yeah, I say raise the rates, baby. <laughs> raise the rates. Sustain art at any cost because without it, it's, you know, what a sterile world we live in, you know. And again, you know, you look at like major players, they don't, they don't make any more than we do is the smaller independent on a stream. Do they, you know? Well, I think that the um, companies themselves made deals with Spotify and Pandora and all the streaming services to kind of slice them a little bigger piece of the pie, as well mm-hmm. as having controlling stock options in these platforms as well. Oh yeah, right. Right. So, you know, they're they're hedging their bets in order to control um their revenue streams, which left, you know, uh, a smaller portion for the independent artists. Um mm-hmm. but there is a promise that the future could be different. One of the things, if you really kind of look at it within a historical context, we're about 25, 30 years into this digital revolution. As well, you know, it's it's scary as that might sound. Um, and if you look at the historical timeline of, you know, starting with LimeWire and Napster in the 90s, you know, and everyone saying, oh, you'll never get rid of Napster. It's here forever. It's, you know, you, you can't stop us, you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> then along comes Apple and, and their iTunes and their iPods and, you know, it was a huge boom to the industry with the 99 cent downloads and, you know, um, and everyone saying, oh, well, you'll never get rid of Apple. I mean, they're a huge behemoth and, you know, they're going to own the music industry forever. 
Well, no, because along comes mm-hmm. Spotify, and you know all those iPods ended up in the kitchen junk drawer, collecting mm-hmm. dust. Um, mm-hmm. And you know nobody's buying ninety nine cent downloads anymore. You know not, you know not for any any uh, amount. You know that's that's worthy of talking about. So uh-huh. it's constantly changing, and the road of the digital revolution is. Um, littered with companies that were going to control the music industry forever and they just are now you know laying by the side of the road um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm watching is this new technology because we know that streaming's got to evolve um, there is these new streaming services that are being developed that utilize the same software technology that cryptocurrency uses. And one of the big advantages of this new technology is that it is a decentralized system. In other words, no one person or company can own this service. It is owned by the fans and by the artists. It's almost a direct connection between the two. And they're claiming that it only takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the network. The other 80% uh-huh. is going to be uh, sent back to the artists themselves. So okay. you're talking about a dis- decentralized system that's a more of a direct connection between artists and fan. And you're talking up to 80% of the incoming revenue going back to the artist. Now, that to me makes more sense. The key mm-hmm. is, yeah. is that we have to make sure that we get a seat at that table before this technology gets into the hands of the corporations. Um, mm, sure. And mm-hmm. one of the, the streaming services is, of course, Audius. Uh, I put my podcasts up there. Uh, it's free right. to put your music up. They have a direct connection to TikTok. So as soon as your music mm-hmm. gets up on, mm-hmm. on Audius, you're now available on TikTok. Um, okay. I mean, it is, you know, uh, right now being backed by um, Jason Derillo, um, mm-hmm. Pusha T, Katy Perry, Nas, a whole bunch of artists okay. are now, you know, supporting this platform. Uh, uh-huh. And then there is this other technology, which I found interesting, where um, you, they allow you to create these NFTs. There's a site called Royal.io. And mm-hmm. the, they could represent a portion of your streaming or your publishing royalties. And mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. rap artists, Naz, utilized this uh, and made enough NFTs to cover two songs on his last release. And mm-hmm. he made enough to cover one half of the streaming royalties on these two songs. Sold oh, it to good. his fan base was able to generate almost 600000 in upfront income. In mm-hmm. addition, he now has over 3,000 fans who have an economic yeah. interest in making sure his music is streamed. Yeah, In cool. addition, these things are bought and sold on an open market. So let's say I bought one and then I decide to resell it for maybe more money. Uh-huh. Well, Nas gets a commission off of the resale uh-huh. of that forever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What do you think of these new technologies as part of the yeah, new you know, music industry? Yeah, that's uh, that's been intriguing to me. I, I've done I haven't done a ton of research on the NFT thing, but I've I've, I've read a few articles and looked at it, and, you know, pondered it, but I haven't I haven't delved into it yet. So yeah, these are these are intriguing, you know, and you know, uh, you know, public public owned if possible i like that concept and you know um you know the people the the listeners being able to nurture the artist when they do download it you know and have a direct involvement in that i like the sounds of all those those components that you you mentioned so i'll definitely be you know reading up on some of your articles that you share and 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 trying to learn more about that yeah, moving I think forward. it's important that we as independent artists get a seat at that table, that we start utilizing mm-hmm. this technology so 
when it becomes mm-hmm. mainstream, that we are already in the know. We're already yeah. used to this as part of our um, psyche, you know, in, in sure. dealing with the music industry, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm down with that. It sounds like a, a really, you know, interesting new new way to uh, to work things. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. Oh, it's man. It's a real pleasure. And, it's uh, my pleasure. I'm honored to, to talk with you, Richard. Thank you for everything you do. Well, thank out you. Out there, your, your, your website and everything you're making a scene site is so informative and huge. Robust is the word again, you know. Um, so I've peeled through there a couple times trying to uh, read up on some of the articles that you share. And I appreciate everything that you do, well, um, you. you know, for the music. Yeah. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. Uh, you guys All right. love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> magic floating through the air tonight in a new dimension allows a gleaming light to shine and it smells of less contention while greed pushes on from white houses up on a hill Another show of muscle While Jenny swallows down another pill But I'm just trying to stay above the fray With the years out of my bond There are golden diamonds piling up But I've no need for more than what I've got I don't want to be the one who gives up on his hope If you can tell me how you do it Maybe I can find a better way to cope I saw the buses leave the city And crowds gather on the street We're sick and tired of all the trouble While the peace is crumbling at our feet Truth and justice are knocking at the door the day comes to a close there's the hope of something more I suppose we've all been fighting now for thousands of years that doesn't change the fact there's still salt burning in our tears Will there be another chance after all the damage done? Will the man out on the street even get to see another setting sun? I think I'll drive on down to St. Louis, see my friends out there. Get right size with the notion that all in love and war isn't fair. I don't want to be the one who gives up. 
can tell me how you do it, man Maybe I can find a better way to cope If you can tell me how you do it Maybe I can find a better way to cope curly hair and silk clothes, a felt black cape and a mandolin. I must have been out of my mind, looking for something free and to roam the dark streets where the restaurant hawkers yelled, two for one all fucking night long, two for one all fucking night long. I sat above and across the street in some tasty little joint where I rested my feet and ate manchiladas with the most delectable sauce and that liquor was liquid gold, going down smooth. So smooth and kissing my brain I wondered that night if I might go insane Across the street the boys yelled Hey, are you Kenny G? You fucking Kenny G? I said, no man, far from it my friends How about some of them two for ones? They entertained from the busy sidewalk In front of their cafe With a skit they'd worked up A fast hand clapping pluck Like a percussive cupping That had a sound like slapping Clap, snap Clappity smoop, poppity clap, slap ploop. They tried to teach me, but I didn't have what it took. So off we ran to their bamboo hut with a three-story bar on top of a private hang where we drank, smoked funny weeds, and sang. And our faces loose, they began to flush as white powders were laid down on the table. Shush. Closing the blinds and closing the bar, two of their senorita friends came with raven hair. So beautiful in those lipstick red wheat heels. I must have died and gone to the heavens. Sexy as all that cocaine, Mary Jane and tequila rain. Wet we became. After eating spicy chickens, we drove to nightclubs where the girls got up and danced. I stood near the speakers while that R&B pop split into my ears. Feeling so high, even this dark club seemed light and snowy. Not a 95 degree den of humid sweat and blow. I told him I had to split and catch the midnight bus to Mazalan, where I was to meet a Russian friend of mine. At the station, the beautiful children approached me one after the other, selling chiclets and little wooden turtles that bobbed their heads. I couldn't resist buying a few dozen. They were so proud to take my bits of money back to their mothers where they too were waiting for the bus. Happy mothers, smiling at me. The children and mamas of Puerto Varty. Oh yeah. On the bus, por favor. It's time to take the Black Knight trip, skirting along steep mountain cliffs, around and up again on the rickety tank, chugging through farmlands, stopping at slim shady restrooms, where you might get shagged by the guy behind you on that bus of distrust. Smoke that smoke, but keep close to that bus. It just might leave you, and then I would cuss, or surely perish at the hand of a thug who stood in the shadows waiting to bug a gringo like me. Back in my seat with the mothers and kids, behind me a tuned-up, cracked-out crazy, cackling and laughing behind my head, driving me nuts into fear it spread. Sociopathic sounds emitting from his mouth, a haunting, opiated tone. His tripping, seething, breathing down my neck. Surely he'd cut me or at least freak me out. But if he touched me, I'd smack him, no doubt. Ready to pounce and violently shout. And probably not survive the bout with this mental gangrene gout. Whatever floats your boat, man. Coconuts or mangoes. Many miles gone now, I arrived in Mazatlan in a tired stupor to meet my Russian friend, who I won't risk naming here. 
We met back home in Minnesota the year before. I taught her English. She made me clothes and taught me Russian. She showed me art from Monet and Dolly. She made herbal remedies for my ailments of roots and spices. We loved, we drank, traveled, and once we tripped on mushrooms in New York somewhere in the village. We bought weed from cops and dwelled in the earthly shadows. As I waited for my friend to lay in the hangover healing sun, I had a vision. A great man appeared, surrounding a giant palm tree amidst a vast blue sky, a massive and clear projection of a god. He said, and I will always recall, what you did for the children was a very good thing. After a few vaguely memorable but fun-filled hours, I traveled further on sand-rolling caravans to foreign beaches. I spoke with Vietnam vets who'd lived there since the war. We drank and smoked and spoke. I played mandolin and sang for the people on the caravans, and the beautiful people clapped their hands. Morning came, and I took the bus back to Puerto Vallarta to catch my flight. I met up with my Kenny G friends again, and what do you know? The tequila flowed, the pot growed, and the blow snowed. We watched the sun come up and went to my pal's mother's house, where she cooked the most delicious, authentic Mexican breakfast I've ever had. Beans and rice, eggs, mole sauce, and truthfully, I'm improvising the breakfast because I was too bamboozled to recall exactly what that deliciousness was all about. All things fun and good and bad must come to an end. So off to the airport where I descended into an overblown cocaine pot booze freakout. So bad I had to approach a policia and ask for help. I thought I was going to die. He laughed at me and said, amigo, you better sit down. Then he left. A young American girl walked past me and noticed my struggle. She, she brought me a, a can of 7-Up, asked if I was all right, but then she left too. I waited as discreetly as possible near the departure gate. I'm quite sure people were staring at me thinking, dude has had too much. The sugary pop might have helped, or time. I think I slept on the flight. Home at last in Minneapolis, I entered the customs not-so-welcome area where the agent asked for my ID. I flipped open my wallet and in a split-second stroke of luck looked down to notice a small bag of white powder hanging out for all to see. Except the agent hadn't looked down before I could snap it shut and pull it off the counter and, and pull my ID out in seclusion. <laughs> I think I may have killed an angel again. Breathing a shallow sigh of relief, I turned towards the luggage belt where another customs agent walked her German shepherd around. Visions of iron bars, thick beads of sweat flew off my forehead. Yet God is here! And he's left a garbage can perfectly positioned for me to dispose of said cokey bag before old Shep came sniffing around. Retrieved my bag, caught a cab, arrived home, went to bed. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. 
Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey. Gonna 